obviously with the heightened COVID protocol and my morning usual Monday routine. And unfortunately, uh, this morning it came back uh, that I was uh, positive for COVID. So I will not be in the building. Not going not not to work here anymore anyway. <laughs> Bears, Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. Well, you just got to uh, go back and try to fix the things that you're doing wrong. As a whole, we just all got to look at ourselves as an individual and then look at ourselves as a group and see what we're doing wrong. We're definitely uh, having a bunch of mistakes and we just got to get them fixed. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka. I don't know how to put this. I'm kind of a big deal. And Jake Hassan. <laughs> I'm the greatest man in the world. Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Oh, my God. Let's get it. Bears Nation podcast. It is Wednesday, October 27th. We have a great episode. Great episode. Kevin, our run of just great guests continues. We had Adam Hogue, which Dan Orlowski calls him Adam Hoagie. We had Adam Johns. We had Jared Payton last week. And we're just going to get right to it. We have another incredible guest today on Bears Nation Podcast, myself, Jake Hassan, with Kevin Lefka. And today we are joined by a man who, if you have ears and if you enjoy sports, at some point you've heard <laughs> this man and probably seen him in some capacity over the last couple of years. Adam Amin joins the program today, Bulls play-by-play announcer, NFL football play-by-play announcer, MLB, everything. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Boys, thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. We have a really good run of Adams going. I noticed this is your yeah. Third we do. Adam. <laughs> the Adams are going. That's true. Strong. I'm 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 fans. I'm fans of, of of both the Adams that you that you discussed. In particular, Adam Sandwich. As I, I texted him the other day, <laughs> uh, that's our good friend Adam Sandwich doing great work on the Bears beat. Adams. Well, that's we'll great. be we'll be using that in the future when we re- reach out to him again. So thank please, you for please. that. But, but Adam, again, thank you for coming. You're calling the Bears game this weekend. So, I mean, the timing couldn't be better. We we did not plan this. We had this set for a couple weeks. Then you happen to be calling the Bears-Niners game this weekend. You did some preseason work for the Bears before. And now your, your first regular season Bears game as a Chicago guy. How's it feel? You know, it was always fun doing it on the radio. I've, I've done a half a dozen games, I think most memorably, uh, doing the Baltimore Ravens Chicago Bears tornado game where a fan was running across the field during a weather delay uh thrilling game that ended at like seven o'clock at night or something like that I think it was like the, the CBS late game we had a 45 minute hour delay but uh no it's, it's gonna be awesome it's uh, it's exciting to be home uh that's that's the other nice thing is you know we got a Bulls game tomorrow and Saturday night so I get to stay you know usually I don't get to call Saturday night games uh, for the Bulls because I'm usually out of town for NFL, but this week I get to do it since they're playing the Jazz at home, and uh, it just feels like uh, you know these last three four weeks getting to do White Sox and Bears and Bulls. It's kind of it's pretty awesome, man. It's been it's been really really cool. Yeah, it's I mean, well, hopefully, hopefully Sunday goes better than it did for the White Sox. <laughs> but I mean, the Bulls are the Bulls are treating you nicely. Uh, so far, so far, uh, yeah. That's you know I, I I worry a little bit. I'm I'm sure a lot of people. Uh, are wanting to, if they haven't like gone all in, they want to. And the reason they're hesitant is because the schedule was fairly light in the early part of the season. You saw what happened Monday night, pretty good test. And now the schedule is going to get really tough. So I'm sure a lot of people are a little hesitant, understandably so. And obviously Zach Levine's thumb issue has, uh, has freaked some people out too, and rightfully so. But uh, hopefully everything will be all right. Yeah, Zach Levine dealing injury. Bears dealing with an injury of their own with Khalil Mack now, as I'm sure, as you know, with with that foot and everything. Um, So for this week, you know, looking at this game, the way I see it, you know, these two teams, you kind of look at it as two teams who I think are more capable than what they've shown on the field. They both have great wins. Let's just call it what it is. It's a make your eyes bleed game. It's a uh, is it? Game. Is it? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It's one of these teams. I think what, what we're going to see on Sunday is one of one of these teams is going to come away looking better than they did the week prior. Um, and, and Adam, just in, in your review and analysis ahead of the game, what do you like from both these teams? What do you think both them bring to the table? Because the reason why I asked you that is a lot of people don't know. Like a lot of people don't know the identity of either of these teams at this point in the season. I agree, and and I think a lot of the attention gets paid to what the Bears do poorly offensively because, again, they haven't had a particularly great game this year. Uh, even in the the three wins this season, they have you know maybe the Cincinnati win 
at times was impressive, but a lot of that had to do with what they did defensively. You know, that's that's been kind of a hallmark. And I, I think a lot of the discussion around around the city with this team has been, well, can they win games without the defense having to put points up? You know, can they do something offensively that's consistent? I, I think there is a deep passing game there. I think you you have an ability yeah. here with fields if you can protect. That's the biggest problem going into this game against San Francisco is because Nick Bosa has been very good this year. Now, will they have D Ford? We'll find out. He was, uh, I don't believe he was a participant in practice uh, today, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But he was dealing with a concussion. So they lose a little bit of their pass rush. If, if, if you know, you can hold up a little bit on Bosa, maybe help out uh, on the edges and help out the, the tackles a little bit. Hopefully you have Larry Borum back this week to maybe at least give you some backup. But if you can contain Nick Bosa, there are holes in the San Francisco defense, which I do believe you can exploit a little bit with Justin Fields' arm. Now, on the other side, I've had San Francisco twice already this season. Neither time were they particularly impressive. They, they squeaked out a win against Philadelphia. They won on good defense. We've kind of learned you know, that Philadelphia is a little touch and go at times. And then Seattle, pre-Russell Wilson's injury, when they were looking pretty sharp, didn't play particularly well offensively in that game either. Uh, I, I think there is a lot to be said about the run game for San Francisco. Uh, they were one of the more intricate run games in the NFL. They do a lot of pre-snap motion. They do a lot of shifting. There's a lot of eye candy. They're trying to open up space for not only their run game early, but eventually guys like Debo Samuel in the short passing game late, Brandon Ayuk, if they can start to get him going behind the line of scrimmage. So those are a couple of things. These two, I agree with you, Kevin. I think they're, these are two teams that – do do some things well. They just mm-hmm. have not done them consistently, and whatever holes that they have have been exploited pretty well by their opponents so far. Well, you mentioned you already had San Francisco twice, and I mean you've seen, I mean, a ton of teams. Obviously, you're out there every Sunday. So going into this game, I mean, how do you compare? I mean, because you're also a Chicago guy, we know this. Uh, you know, if you haven't, I don't know where you've been for the last however long years but you know when you're approaching this game and you're with a bears you know legend and greg olson i mean as you know a chicago guy yourself how do you stack up the bears with the other teams you see and off of that too like how do you go into this game when you know you know you have greg olson next to you like how do you as an announcer as a play-by-play guy go into this game too i I mean that's gotten less and less uh of an issue of of an issue as time has gone on i think it would be the hardest if i suddenly were doing national nba games and had to jump Mm -hmm. in and do a bulls game nationally that might you know be a little bit different but you know, as uh, as as White Sox fans know, and and to, some to their chagrin, they're they're not fans of it, and they don't like that style, and that's okay. Like, no, I, I let me uh, uh, as a sidetrack. I'm watching you know the World Series, and I was listening to a podcast earlier today with Joe Buck on it. And I was just kind of mm-hmm. listening to him. Obviously, he's uh, I'm a, I'm a, I get to be a colleague of his now, which is pretty cool. And he was talking um, just about how his biases kind of like were hard to navigate through when he was with the Cardinals early in his career, right? And I and I get that. But he also said baseball fans are the most fickle when it comes to that because you get the most time with your team. You get you get more yeah. time. You get twice as much time with Jason and Steve as you're going to get with me and Stacy in a year. Like mm-hmm. that's a- almost or close to twice the amount of time they're going to be on for 140 times for three hours a night. Of course, you're going to get more used to them than you would with with anybody else. So I, I understand it. Uh, and and I'm sure it might sound a little bit jarring if the Bears are playing poorly and Greg and I have to talk about it. Now, the thing is, Greg and I, for the most part, I think are generally positive people. We try to find the positive in, in you know, in, stu- in, in places where we can. At least he is. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more critical than he is. And that's OK. Like he's a former player. Remember, he's one year out of this. You know, like he was just playing last year with Seattle. Like he was supposed to start full-time with Fox last year, but listen, Seattle offers you 7 mil. You take the 7 mil and I, and I respect that. And I uh, frankly applaud the, applaud the, uh, always the, take the, the money, uh, applaud that move. So well done to, to my friend, Greg, you will be paying for dinner on Friday night when we go out. But um, no, he, he's, he's a very positive person, but like he's just out of it. So he really feels it like he, you have to remember the, the human side of it. And I think that's perfect for Greg because he really empathizes with the ups and downs that these guys deal with. So I don't think it affects me that much. I'm not going to – I've never said anything personal about anybody. I, like the, the rule that I always learned from people that did it before me and the advice that I was always given, if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, you if you wouldn't feel, feel comfortable saying it to somebody's face, don't say it. Like if they mm-hmm. shoot a bad shot and you say 
hey, you shot a bad shot. What are they going to say? You're lying? No, <laughs> you saw it. But if you say something, like, I would, so I would never say anything personal about anybody. I've never, I'm not that type of person to begin with, but that's just not what you do professionally. So I don't, I, I, I feel like we can play it pretty fair down the middle. I'm sure I will see some things and feel some of the same frustrations that maybe you, you guys will if they're not playing particularly well. I want them to play well. I want them to do well. I have friends that work for that team. Obviously, I do their preseason games, so I get to know that that group, and I want good things for them. But you get to talk to the 49ers, and you talk to George Kittle, and you talk to Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and you talk to Fred Warner, and you, you want good things to happen for them too. So I think that attitude just kind of – is is encompassing of how we want to approach the broadcast anyway. All right, so what we'll do is you text us what you're thinking. And <laughs> we'll, we'll, we won't say who it's from, but we'll listen, guys. All right, listen, all right. The, what I said in the second quarter. Here's what I actually meant. Like that's. Oh man, I gotta say too. This like we've had a lot of guests on the show, but man, just you being a broadcaster, that voice, it, the the crispness <laughs> of the voice is absolutely phenomenal it's it's phenomenal but it, it's funny as you talk about that like even not just guys who have you know some sort of allegiance and some sort of ties to chicago like even tony romo last week was kind of like you know saying certain things like man because when you see a team underperforming on the field like it's noticeable yeah. and you're right you know have you ever felt that like you see even it's not a team that you could care less about you see them underperforming and you had you just like man you know they're so much more capable of what you're seeing well i'll bring up the socks for that reason because like I'm sitting in the booth for for game one of that series, and I know the Astros are really good. I'm frustrated watching the Sox because, again, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a Sox broadcaster per se, but I live here. My friends work for the team. Jason's a friend of mine. I want good things to happen for them, and I do fill in once in a while, and and I want good things to happen for for this organization. And and like, it's frustrating to me when they it wasn't as much in game one because that's that's the opener of a series and we're just trying to get our bearings game four was frustrating i was legitimately frustrated watching how badly they played because you just expect more and you know the tapera comments were really annoying to me just personally you know like we we gave both sides of it on on the broadcast whether you wanted both sides cheating or not i don't care i that's my job i did my job i have no issue with how i did my job but i i was annoyed as just like a person who lives here going like, why would you say that? Like, you shouldn't be saying that about a good team, like especially when they embarrassed you the next day. So I'm sitting there going like all of that, there's the day and a half because they had that extra day with the rain out in between that day and a half was just like the build up to that. And then for them to fall flat, like they did in game four and just put, put up nothing was really frustrating to watch. So yeah, when I see a team underperform, it's annoying to me. And I think part of it too, and this is probably the bigger reason, is that we all I root for truly, 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 truly at the end of the end of the day is just give me a good game. I need a good game. I did all this work. Our crew works so hard. You have three hours that you're dedicating to that game on your day off. We want to be entertained and give me a good game. I know what you're all capable of. You're all professional athletes. You're all very good at what you do and you're handsomely rewarded for it. And you should be. So when you don't perform that way, I get upset as a fan of what I'm watching. You get upset as a fan of the team that you root for. So it's all understandable. And nobody, you know, nobody doesn't feel that way that is invested in this in some capacity. They want to be entertained. They want to have a good time. Granted, I'm sure it's, more fun for a home team's fan if their team is doing really, really well or blowing a team out. But I think they're not going to turn down a good game. They just want their team to win at the end, but they're not going to turn down being entertained. All right, so that being said, so what do you have prepared for us on Sunday? What's some of these fun fun little nuggets you got for us? Well, I mean, it's only Wednesday, man. You got to give me some time here. <laughs> but, uh, but <laughs> well, I mean, the big thing is you, you mentioned, you guys mentioned earlier, the, the Mac injury mm-hmm. along with, you know, Robert Quinn potentially being out again. That's more than half the pass rush. Remember, the Bears lead the NFL in sacks right now. It's been a very solid year. Like you get, I give Robert Quinn a lot of credit. He talked, he, he talked about it. And now he's being about it, and I respect that. And obviously, he's on the COVID list right now. But like, you're losing half your pass rush. This is uh, this has been an issue for San Francisco. Garoppolo has a tendency to hold on to the football too long. Uh, he, he he wants to throw downfield if he can. He wants to show off that he's got a good arm. He wants to show that off. So he wants to throw deep. So he has a tendency to hold on to the football sometimes and not check down. If it's not 
a, a deep shot that he's looking for, they take a lot away from him and just try to keep it short and fast because this is one of the best yards after catch teams in the NFL the last few years. Kittle's on the IR, obviously, so you know that notwithstanding, so you you know that that is important because you lose a good blocker that helps out in in pass protection, but you're still losing Mac and Quinn. So who's going to generate a pass rush for you? I, I think that 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 was one of the biggest things that we took a look at obviously defensively too many big plays. I mean, that first drive alone, the way they gave up two big chunk plays, one in the pass game, one in the run game. And then all of a sudden it's a touchdown for Fournette. Like you, you can't give up big plays. And and this is a team that is really capable of big plays. If not in the deep shot game, which, you know, they've tested some teams and, you know, their success rate is okay. It's not overly impressive, but where they really can hurt you is in space. And the guy that we, we already mentioned, Debo Samuel is the guy. Nobody has been better in yards after catch for the last two seasons in the NFL than that guy has been. And he is the best player on the field, I think, tomorrow. When when San Francisco has the football, I think he is the best player on the field. With no Khalil Mack on the field, he is the best player on the field. He's the, the, the biggest game-breaker possibility. He's the one who can break multiple tackles. And with the way Eddie Jackson has been tackling, he's owned up to it. He says he's going to be better about it. And again, he's still second on the team, but like you, you need to tackle that guy in space. You cannot let Debo Samuel beat you because he's the one that's capable of the biggest plays. And I think those are the two things that stuck out. The yards after catch for San Francisco, and then how are you going to generate a pass rush if you're the Bears because you're out without your two best pass rushers? Because it's the yards after the catch for San Francisco, but then it's the lack thereof for Chicago. And and then you look at the games in which they lose and, and where it feels really defeated when you're watching it is the games where the opposing team gets the backbreaking play. Like yeah. we saw that very early against LA as well, right? You know, the deep bomb to I think it was Van Jefferson the first Van Jefferson. time or, or Van Jefferson. And you're like how are we going to compete? We can't put up a 70-yard touchdown. We're not going to be able to compete with that. And we thought that would change when Justin Fields came to be the quarterback. And it hasn't yet. So that's where I, I get worried about playing teams who have, you know, those, those you know, back-breaking play abilities because you just don't know if you can keep up with them because that's not the way they run their offense. They want to run Khalil Herbert, ground and pound, win this game 20-17. to 17. That's That seems like their ideal situation for winning. I mean, I, I don't know if it's ideal, but it, it may be the the ceiling for this particular personnel right. group right now. I, th- I think that's a that might be uh, the case just with this offensive line and with with the the fluctuation of who's in there. Obviously, last week was was you know a, a dumpster fire just before the game, trying to figure out who's going to play and who's going to be where and who took practice. God bless Jason Peters for for his candor, where he just basically was like. Yeah, man, this guy didn't even practice. This guy never took snaps over here. And by the way, this guy's coming back this week, and the other guy's coming back next week. Like, good for good for you, Jason Peters. Thank you very much for being our news news breaking source on that. So, like, I love that. That made me. It just made me laugh uh, more than anything else. But I mean, that that is that is a you know you hope that's a sign of better things to come, right? When you get Tevin Jenkins going at some point, this is your second round draft or your first round draft pick, your first pick, uh, second round pick. Sorry, uh, your your mm-hmm. second round pick that you're. Uh, finally, you're hoping this is the left, you know, maybe the left tackle of your future at some point, or at the very least for now, a, a solid right tackle for the latter half of the season. Uh, they desperately need it. Uh, they, they can't, you know, the, you want to have an ability for Justin Fields to be back there and look because you got, you know, if you can break one, we haven't seen Darnell Mooney really get that shot. We haven't seen Demir Bird really get an opportunity to do something all. like, you know, to, you know, or Marquise Goodwin. We were talking about 49ers. Like, Goodwin understands the yards after catch concept. And these guys just haven't had the chance to do much in space. And, and a lot of that is offensive line play and, and the lack of pa- you know, consistent pass protection and maybe a lack of a full on playbook because you don't feel comfortable with the protection the way it is. So you're rolling him out, mm-hmm. you're cutting the field in half. And, you know, he was asked today, Fields was asked today, do you want to do more RPO stuff? And he's like, dude, I'm just trying to get touchdowns right now. Like, that's that's where we're at yeah. because you don't know what this offensive line is is capable of, what their ceiling is because of the personnel, lack of good play, or a combination thereof. Well, are we, we've sort of gone around the subject, but the million-dollar question, I mean, Justin Fields, you've seen Trey Lance. You mentioned you did San Francisco games already this season. Everyone else you've seen, what – 
either encourages you about Justin Fields or what is disappointed you just watching him from an outside perspective an objective perspective and what what does Justin Fields look like to you uh I mean obviously you know the physical gifts are there uh that's that's still obvious that that I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon barring you know catastrophic injury I think he'll be just fine in that regard for a long time to come as long as he's healthy uh the arm is there I, I know the arm is there he is capable of it uh, some of the throws that he makes, yeah, yeah, he's had some errant throws, but I do like a lot of the throws. Remember the intercept? He's thrown six interceptions. Three of them came last week. Five of those interceptions have come on third down, so he hasn't grasped certain reads and progressions the way he needs to yet. And that's fairly that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, whether it's the the third or fourth read or what the sequencing is supposed to be or where to look or how to use your eyes or whatever it may be. And then the holes close faster at this level. The, the It's always the case. You know, that's always the case. At this level, right. when you go from college to NFL that first year, everybody's dealing with this, right? Everybody's been dealing with this uh, over the course of the last three or four years when guys get to this point in the league. Judd, Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick. Everybody thought this guy was one of the greatest. This is one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever. By far, the, by far one of the best three-year college quarterbacks you will ever see. And he is having a world of issues right now. And I don't think anybody is saying it's because he's not physically capable. It's because he's trying to process things at a much faster rate than he ever has had to. And when he did, when you're playing Alabama ever, you know, for a national title, you're playing Ohio State, yeah, that those holes are going to feel a little bit closer to the NFL level. But remember, you're going to play Wake Forest's defense once a year. You're going to play Virginia Tech's you know, okay defense where they have the one NFL guy on the corner spot and the one linebacker that's going to be a six-round pick. And other than that, these are just guys. So that's a huge adjustment that Justin just hasn't caught up to yet. And that's not out of the ordinary. I think because we had such high hopes, because there's a lot riding on this pick, because of how we are emotionally attached to it now, because it's a quarterback picked by a regime in Chicago and They've been starving for a legit one for a long, long, long time now. Our emotional attachment to Fields is going to propel us to believe that he's more than what he is maybe, or we just expect more from him maybe too soon. That doesn't mean he's not capable of getting there. I just think maybe it's a little bit of a more normal or above average trajectory than an elite trajectory that we're all hoping for. Right. I think that's, that's kind of the way I wanted to say it. And I, uh, this is just what ha- you being from Chicago, being around the Chicago sports media landscape, this is what happens in, in every single sport. You know, you get a guy that gets drafted to this city and the expectations are through the roof more than in any other town. I mean, that's just the way it is here in Chicago. So would your advice, because this is where I get conflicted, because there's people who say, and you kind of alluded to it, you know, kind of take a step back, you know, temper your expectations. But at the same time, you're thinking, this is the best quarterback prospect we've ever had. We know what he presents from a running standpoint. We haven't seen it. We know what he presents from a throwing standpoint. We haven't seen it. Should we temper our expectations or just focus on issues that are in other areas? What would your advice be to Bears fans who feel like they felt let down after, you know, having such high hopes? I think you do have to kind of dig a little bit deeper into, you know, what what is he good at? What can he improve upon? And then look at the, the elements and kind of uh, factors surrounding him. So naturally, the way things have gone the last couple of years, Matt Nagy is going to get a little bit more blame from a general public per, uh, perception than, say, a rookie quarterback in, a quarterback is. And based on what you've seen so far, yeah, I think you can put a fair bit of blame on the coaching staff. You, I can't blame the coaching staff that their left tackle prospect or their offensive tackle prospect didn't work out, you know, right. or so far hasn't been able to take the field. Not that it hasn't, he might be great, you know, hopefully he is, uh, but he hasn't had the chance to play in real NFL games in front of your future, you know, your quarterback of the future. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, you can't help injuries. You can't help, you know, David Montgomery dealing with injury right now. Tariq Cohen got hurt last year. Like these are, you know, the, the, these are certain things that you can't really help. So I can't put all of the blame on the coaching staff for that. Some of that, then you, then you look at the next layer. Well, uh, what did the front office do? Have they surrounded the town, ta- you know, the right. quarterback with the right amount of talent. So all of those things can be argued fairly 
and say this is more of a factor or this is more of a factor. Everybody can make good cases for all three of those abil- uh, you know, uh, levels. Based on a couple of things, this being A, a player's league. This is a player's league. The, the, the players are the ones who are out there having to execute. The plan has to be good. You have to be able to put guys in a position to, to succeed. And then you have to have talent around it, and that has to be put in place by the people selecting and acquiring talent. So everybody gets a little bit of the blame. Are you going to put that on the rookie quarterback? Probably not. So, yeah, I don't think Fields deserves as much blame as, you know, I, I guess for lack of a better term, the adults in charge. No, Adam, you know, you're the Bulls guy, so we got to ask a couple Bulls questions, obviously. Sure. Fun team this year, really fun. Looks like a playoff team. You know, you were in the packed United Center for the you know first time the other night. I mean, a just what was that first United Center experience like with a full house? And b, you know, is Stacy really that crazy in really like real life too? He's not that crazy in real life. First off, he is, <laughs> but he is that like funny. Like he's not. He's he's way more chill off the air, and I think I am too. Like we're both just. I think that's why we we just work well together. We both have very 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 similar personalities, but he's very chill off the air. As am I, we, we, we just like to hang out. We'll talk on the plane. It's not it, we're, we're very even keeled, but on the air, we, we really feel it, man. And, and last week was, I, I, you know, I, I say, I've said this at one point during the series or after the White Sox series, like game three was like one of the most electric atmospheres I'd ever been in for any sporting event, any sporting really? event, probably like 10. If I had made a list of top 10, like events I can remember that would be on the top 10 list easily. And I've called probably 12, 1300 games. It's easily a top 10. Uh, the home opener, there was a little bit, that was, I might stick that into the top, into the top 10 too. And I know I might be a victim of recency bias. It just, <laughs> it, it just felt different. I think with the lead up, with the 4-0 preseason, with all the moves that have been made in the summer, with what happened last year with bringing in a new front office, a new coach, and seeing Zach uh, start to blossom a little bit and seeing you know the additions and all that, all that buildup really led to a little bit of muted tension, I think, in, uh, in the first couple of minutes. And then when they got going and started to run the floor, like, it, it was like, re- it was an emotional moment. Like, that was really cool for me to finally have that. I'm sure Stacy felt that too, just not having had that for, forget a couple of years. I mean, like the team hasn't really been able to deliver that type of buzz consistently for four quarters for a while. So, mm. you know, like just everything surrounding it, it probably hadn't felt that way in the city for a little while for the Bulls. And I know for Stacy, it probably felt, felt that way for the first time in a bit. And definitely for me, ha- having been like one of my first, that was my first home game as the Bulls announcer on the floor with fan, like with a full house. Cause I, I think I had done two Bulls games at home prior and that was for ESPN and ESPN radio. So it was a whole new experience for me. So I, I don't think I've ever, that, that's a, that could be a top 10 feeling, man. It really was one of those nights. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that is derived from Zach Levine and just yep. what kind of player he is, right? I mean, you know, how explosive he is and exciting what player he is. Do you think, and I asked this question a while back and after Justin Fields was drafted, is he the biggest superstar in Chicago right now, Zach Levine? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think I, it certainly is one. He might be the most easily recognizable right out of the gate. I mean, I, you know, the, I, I think, you know, Jose Abreu is pretty recognizable. I think Tim Anderson's pretty recognizable. Uh, but I, I think Zach is probably the most recognized. He was just on a Mountain Dew commercial. Like, we're, you know, the, the Pelicans-Hawks game's on. And I'm, I'm, I look up, and it's like, oh, Zach and Zion Williamson are in a Mountain Dew commercial. Yeah. Like, this guy's a, a bona fide superstar now. And he, he's certainly earned that that reputation. And I think he carries himself with a very – good mentality about it because he's he knows what it's like to not be a superstar like he knows what it's like to be on on bad teams we said it the other night that was that's the first four game win streak that zach's been a part of in the nba he was hurt during uh the bulls streak in 17 18 he was coming he was still on the bench with that acl injury so he hadn't been a part of a four game regular season nba win streak until the start of this season and he's clawed really hard to get this recognition and he was worked really hard to get there so i think he his demeanor is reflective of somebody who understands 
what it's like to be, you know, here and what it's like to be here after being with the Olympic team and kind of being around mm-hmm. Durant and some of these champions and being like, oh, so that's what that's like. And I've been down here and now I'm starting to work up here, but I really want to get here. I think he he carries himself with the demeanor of somebody who recognizes that. Absolutely. And like I said, we just got a few more for it. Then we'll let you get out of here. You know, he electrifies the stadium in all of your calls throughout your career. Who are some guys, you know, NFL or NBA that you can think of that are comparable to that where, you know, they them it feels like they are just the they own the moment. And I feel like at one point to the pleasure of Bears fans, Justin Fields can be that guy. But who are some names that come to mind that just, you know, they own that stadium. They, they single handedly can light up 70,000 people. Uh, when I was at ESPN I, and I was doing college football, I did the uh, in Lamar Jackson's Heisman season in 2016. I did his second game of that season. It was against Syracuse on the road on a Friday night. He had they had just played, I believe, Charlotte the week before, and he had a really good game. But it was Charlotte, and he hadn't really had a national stage. It wasn't on national TV, so we're like, okay, let's see what this kid has. First play of the game, 75-yard flick for a touchdown. Just a flick of the wrist touchdown. Uh, Next series, he had a 75-yard pull and run for a touchdown. And I remember stealing Jeff Joniak's call. I told Jeff this uh, a couple years later, that I stole his Devin Hester, you are ridiculous call for Lamar Jackson that (laughs) night. That was the night, you've seen the highlight probably, where he hurdles a defender running left uh, uh, towards the edge. And he hurdles over the Syracuse defender and scores a touchdown. That was one of the... I think five or six touchdowns he had that night and at a 400 yard offensive night or something like that, or 500 yard offensive night, whatever it was, that was his like coming out party. That is like, people are like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's different. And then he beat Florida state the week after, and he was off to the races for the Heisman. Uh, he electrified that place. And and it was silence because it was a road game. He electrified that mm. place. Uh, so I remember that distinctly. Uh, I would say, for the NBA, it's LeBron at the top of the list. I, I've done a lot of LeBron playoff games. Uh, I did a bunch of his game sevens. Uh, I've done a couple of his 40-point games in the playoffs. I've done a buzzer beater of his uh, in Cleveland against Toronto in game three of a playoff series. Uh, he's up there. And then I called – I can't remember what game. It was the clinching game of a second-round series a couple of years ago. The Warriors were playing the Rockets in Houston. And they were up 3-2 in the series. And Curry goes uh, scoreless in the first half. Uh, and I was like, that's incredible. And then he scored 30-plus. And then he scored 30-plus in the second half. And he did it on a bum thumb. He had a messed up finger. And he was still able to put up 30-plus and and get the Warriors to, uh, to the conference finals. And I think, like, the, those guys are special. You know, there's a reason that they are who they are. Uh, you know, I've... The, the, the LeBron games, especially the guy just took over a game like nobody else. Kyrie Irving, I had one of his big games in the playoffs. He had scored uh, 42, uh, I think, against Boston in a conference final series four years ago, four or five years ago. And, you know, those those are guys that can just take it over. Uh, they can take over games. Adrian Peterson uh, had mm-hmm. one of his 200 plus yard rushing games at Lambeau Field uh, back 2015 or 16, something like that. Like there there are some guys that you just, you know, your eyes kind of pop when you see him. All right, so would you rather do, you know, let's say NBA Finals Game 7, Bulls, whoever, Super Bowl, or World Series Game 7? Which one do you pick? Oh, man, that's, it's, that, that would be the toughest question because people ask me, like, what's your favorite sport? And I don't have one. I, honestly, it's not, it's, a, it's not a cop-out answer. If you, te- if you tell me or if, if you ask me on a night where I'm doing, you know, Bulls, Knicks at Madison Square Garden, I might tell you it's the NBA. If you ask me, you know, in the middle of a, you know, a Sunday afternoon and uh, in Baltimore, like we'll we'll have next week, then you, it's probably the NFL. And if you ask me in a play in the middle of a playoff baseball game, I'll probably say it's baseball. But that that's the that's the question. It's, I don't know which one I would want the most. I think there's a I, my old answer. I think I still stick with. I think it's a game seven of a World Series because there's a game the, the drama of a game seven in baseball just has something special to it, and the the hope that you get something just incredibly dramatic. I think carries you pretty deeply. So I, I think game seven of, of a, of a world series probably is at the top of the list. Adam, thank you so much, man. This has been a blast. Really appreciated you real quick. Where are you making Greg take you to dinner Friday night? Uh, well, he's got, he's, he, you know, he's one of these guys that has like a stake in an ownership group or something like that. So he's <laughs> going to be like, uh, 
let's go to the restaurant that I, you know, that I used to frequent every single night that I was in, in, in town when I lived here. So, uh, wherever it is, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And he's, uh, I got it. I got a chance to talk to him a couple days ago for, for the second or third time. And just a really good dude, man. I'm, I'm, he's going to be really good. Like he's already good at this, but he's, he's one of those guys, man. He just gets this. He's just a natural when it comes to doing this stuff and being on TV and covering games. So we're excited to hang out a little bit and, I told him come to the game Saturday night. Uh, they're they're more than welcome to. Since we're in town, I was like, yeah, if you guys want to come, let me know. <laughs> Bulls Jazz, right? Is, is yeah. that what it is? Bulls Jazz. Well, and that's night. gonna that's gonna be a good one, man. That's gonna Big be test. a fun one. So Big good test. weekend at Chicago sports, man. Seriously. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, and you're all over cool. it. <laughs> this is cool. This is cool. I I, I swear to you, I don't uh, I don't take it for granted when you. You, know, you get a couple breaks. We had a, you know, could we get the White Sox at home? That's a big deal for me, uh, you know, to be a, to be home for a playoff, a couple playoff games, and uh, we we didn't do game two, so we got to go home, and I got to host my my baseball crew in town and take them out to dinner to to some places, and uh, you know, you get a whole weekend at home in Chicago to call three games for your hometown teams. It's not too bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. We, we can't wait to hear it, man. We can't wait to hear you on Thursday, on Saturday, and then especially on Sunday. Adam, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, boys. Appreciate man. you. That was Adam Amin, everybody. You know him. We know him. Legend, man. Legend, That was, that was awesome. Man. No, that was, that was a lot of fun. You know, hey, like, like we've been saying on this show, and he told you, and I think Adam Amin is our like, third guest to say it now, patience. Just relax, everybody. It's gonna be fine with Justin Fields. It's gonna really be really gonna start fine. listening to these guys, man. I mean, <clears throat> like, we try, you know, because we know they don't listen to us, so we try to bring in people they, that yes. you, that you people, the listeners and the viewers, we will do listen it for to you. Them. And it can't, apparently it's not working still. But anyway, huge thanks to Adam. That was awesome, and he gave us a new nickname for our other friend, Adam, Adam Hoagie, Adam Sandwich. So we will be using that for sure. But no, thanks to Adam. That was awesome, Kevin. I mean, last time we talked was Sunday after the game. Hey, I, you know what? I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. How's it going, man? How you doing? Uh, it, it's going all right. Uh, living the dream. How are you, man? Are, are you doing well? How's the new show at 670, right? I mean, oh, what, do we, just, what do we... What, we're, what, just, we're just cruising. Hit, hit a huge home run prop last yes, night. Yes. If you guys don't follow this man on Twitter, you could be making some serious money. He had Adam yeah, Duvall, what was not. it, plus 380 for a home run? 330 and the RBI plus, plus 200. What's the new show you're doing, though? No, you know, bet QL daily every day in Chicago time, 8 to 11. And then when you better, you bet a couple hours later, 2 you to bet, 6. But yeah. anyway, we're going to talk about the Bears, goddammit. So, you know, I, I think Adam brought up a bunch of really – the tier. what really stuck out to me about what Adam said, the progression of Justin Fields is more of a above average to really good tier rather than the elite tier. Or, or trajectory, I think was the yes, word he used. Trajectory was the word he used. And you know, I, I think that's a perfect example. And and it's kind of another way of what I've been saying. Everyone wants a Justin Herbert, you know, trajectory. Right. And it's not gonna be that. So again, listen to our guests if you're not gonna listen to us. But Kevin, I mean, we got to get into this game. You know, a- Adam gave us a little bit of insight, some really good insight, and into this game. I mean, he was right. Everything he said about the 49ers was correct. Their defense, I mean, Bosa is unbelievable. It was interesting they said uh, Debo was the probably the best player on the field. I thought that was interesting. Probably not wrong, but interesting. Yeah, I mean that when he said that, I was like, I, I you were stunned. I was, like, I, I was like, really? And then and then I start going you, down if, the if list. You think and about I'm like, it, yeah. And I'm like, shit. Yeah, he's not wrong. And, and the one that kind of sealed it for me when, when I came to that final realization that he was right was he's the the one player in the field that can just break a game. And that's yeah. that's what did it, like uh, excluding Cleo Mack, which is important because sure, he sure. he's you know because Cleo Mack is one of those guys that can break a game. He's game done it record, consistently, yeah. game record. But you kind of think about it on the offensive side of the ball for the Bears. There's nobody that's a game record. The running backs are really good, but you, sure. they're not game record. Like they're not a, like the only running you back hope in the Justin league. Justin Fields can be one day. Yeah, yeah, but he's not there yet. The only running back in the league who's a game record is Derrick Henry. Like a true game right. record at this moment is Derrick Henry. So I'm I'm thinking, you know, the only guy that's possibly comparable on from on the Bears side would be Roquan Smith, but again, like he's not a game record. So that's like he's not wrong. Like Debo Samuel isn't a guy and this is this is why I think this is important as well. In the past and even this year, like Debo Samuel probably got drafted in like the 8th round of your fantasy draft, maybe even yeah. later. Like Brian and Ayuk was supposed to be better than him. All these, you know, all these guys supposed to be rather than him. George Kittle, you know, he's supposed to be the focal point of the offense. 
And out of nowhere comes Debo Samuel because they do the right things with him. They utilize him correctly. They give him the ball in space. And it's like, we're going to give you 10 yards of separation between you and the defender. And we're going to let you be Debo Samuel and use your supreme athletic ability to win against anybody. That's why you see players like him in offenses take that leap going from a guy who was the third option receiving in 2020 to a now one player and a two team game. That is the only that not the only, but the most important game record on the field. So he's not wrong. I mean, D was a guy you got to watch out for and they, they, they do really well offensively. And he alluded to this as well, getting guys in space yards after the catch. And it scares you, right? Because the bears haven't been good at open field tackling all year. And it's two years last year too. Right. In two years. I mean, I, I would say they've been better than this year than they have been last year, uh, you know, as an as an aggregate. But Ooh, I, I I just I don't know. I, I'm, it worries me because I know Kyle Shanahan, although surprisingly, Jake, they're calling for his head in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, well, imagine, I, I, imagine. Think, I think it's kind of like Adam said, it's a lot of eye candy, a lot of, you know, yeah. you know bells and whistles. But and product, I mean. You know, they've been a disappointing team. It, it's at the end of the day, I think they have fallen flat a little bit. This is a winnable game, though. And it, it's unfortunately, you are home underdogs, which I mean, that doesn't happen very often. You're three and a half right now. It was funny enough when it was announced that Matt Nagy was not going to be coaching this oh, game. No way. It was three and a half. The it went, it, the line moved to three. So, everyone, you know, the public thinks that, and they might not be wrong, that with Chris Tabor. Tabor, Tabor, whatever, head coaching this team instead of Matt Nagy, that you're a half a point better with <laughs> <laughs> your special teams coach is the head right. coach of this team. Which I mean, we did throw a Tabor's name out there as you know a guy who would possibly be the interim, and I mean that kind yeah, of yeah. Yeah, confirms that thought that we had last week. But I mean, this is gonna say, I mean, with Tabor on the sideline, and if he, I mean, he won't be calling plays. We know, I mean, he's the special teams coach. Laser will be calling the plays, but. I mean, if you go win this game handily, like without with Nagy not there, he's. I mean, I'll stand by. He's still not going to get fired. Uh, yeah. But I mean, that'll say a lot. Like that'll be some damning evidence. I get. I'm trying to think about whether it will or not because the thing. So the well, thing people well, have to know about consider this. the factors though too. Consider because you're not going to have Klumac. You're not going to have Robert Quinn. You're not going to have David right. Montgomery still. You know, you're, you're missing a lot of key guys. Who knows what the offensive line is going to look like? So, I mean, considering all those factors, if you go out, I mean, because San Francisco, they've been disappointing, but their defense is still pretty damn good. And so yeah, if you go out there, if you go out there and score 30 and you win, like that's going to be some damning evidence against Nagy. And there's going to be people in the comments and people listening to this who say, well, he, he still has a say in it, right? No, the, the protocols are, if well, you are out I, due to COVID, I, you have I'm, zero communication with the team on Sunday. No, I'm just saying that's important oh, because Sunday, people are going to say, okay. oh, he, yeah. he had some sort of influence on Sunday. Like, you can't just say that right, hit, right. the elimination of his presence meant the team did better. Well, no, you might be able to say that because he literally was not there. And, and, and here's what's going to be most telling. You can take, like, this, this has a lot of moving parts because there's going to the, the naggy homers, of which there are very few, are going to say, well, it just happened to be that they got their right tackle, Larry Borum, back it, it, right at the time that Nagy went away. So maybe the offense, if it does look better, look better because of Borum, not because of Nagy being, you know, those things. But the thing that you have to consider is like, like, I forgot my train of thought. Damn it, I forgot <laughs> well, my train of that, thought. Well, in that same game, let's, let's stick with that Larry Borum thing. This is his first NFL start. Like this is gonna be yeah. right. He didn't. He didn't start well, week well, one, right? No, he got slotted no, he did. in. He did. Start, he did, start, he did week, start week one. That's when he got I don't hurt. Know but it anyway, week, I thought it was week two. So, so this is this is his second NFL start. Like this is even, and he's coming off a high ankle sprain, which is like a, a oh, I remember de- decent. Go ahead, you found your train of thought again. <laughs> real quick, real quick. You, uh, we'll go back to Borum. What we tell you can talk about whatever you want about stats about Borum. What's me telling is what you see on the sideline and and the limited camera angles that Fox gives us. Watch what you see, because this team, if you it's noticeable, it's noticeable even through a video camera to see the energy and see just kind of, you know, the vibe that's going on on the sidelines. And and who's talking to Justin Fields? Right. We brought that up last. If you see sort of a different energy without him, that's one of those factors that is truly influenced by the absence of him, whereas you know, the way the offensive plays, the way the defensive plays, you can find different factors, but that 
that the, their their vibe and the way that they react and the way their energy on the sideline is truly influential of his absence. That's what you have to look out for. But back to Borum, what, what are your expectations for him? You know, because I do. This is another situation, Jake. You talk about Justin Fields and expectations. People think Larry Borum, as much as he may be better than Lacavius Simmons, is. You know, people are saying this. This is elite, man. We're gonna get offensive lines yeah. fixed. We're back. What do you? I mean, you, you so have to figure San Francisco is gonna send Bosa against Borum. I mean, not not yeah. that. Jason, I mean, not that Jason Peters is a much better option than Borum, but I mean, he's a rookie coming off an ankle injury. Like you're gonna send your best defender that way. So, I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, it's gonna be hard to evaluate Borum. It's been hard to evaluate. The, well, not hard to evaluate the offensive line. I don't know. We'll probably still have people yelling about Sam Mustafer. I don't know, but again, yeah, this is, for fellas in the chat today. This is, this is again, just to go back to this, this is a winnable game. Like you have to, I mean, I know you're home dogs, but you should win this game, right? Ah, I don't know. I don't, yeah. So okay. you're missing so many people on defense. You're no, missing, you're not. You're not missing that. You're missing your okay. two best players. Well, not I know. I think okay. Well, Robert Quinn. If Robert missing... Quinn follows the same trend Damian Williams followed, and he's vaccinated, I have every reason to believe he's going to play. Damian Williams missed one week and then came back. Robert Quinn oh, did he? Did he play last week or did he no, just he go on the COVID list? Right. No, he, he's, okay. He just That's what off. I thought. He he he, he had gone out beforehand. If Damian Williams came back last week. Missed one game, came back. Uh, he's vaccinated. He doesn't have to stay out as long. Rob, I think Robert Quinn is going to play. But, yeah, you're missing Khalil Mack. You might uh, – Akeem Hicks was limited. Uh, everybody else was limited on the defensive yeah. side. I think Khalil, you get those guys Khalil Mack's the only one who didn't practice. It's, it's funny how we do this every – Yes, we don't expect him, but it's Khalil Mack. Maybe he pulls off a miracle. I don't know. We do this every no, week, no, though. No, 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 no. I, I think it was Rappaport tweeted he's out. Like, they're considering an IR stint for him. Ooh. Well, they said he's not expected to play, and then considering IR since, so I don't think there's been an official designation that he's out. I, but I mean, even even when Adam was talking about, we'll, it, like, we'll it, it evaluate this like, game as if he's out. We'll evaluate. Yeah, this it game doesn't as if sound he's like out. anyone's expecting. Him I, to play. I yeah, I, like I said, zero point zero one percent chance. You know, miracle. I don't know, but you're right. Like uh, the reason why I say because there's gonna be people, Jake, who hear you say they should win this game and say, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, get the hell out of here, turn off the mic, and, and go home." You know, there's gonna be people I who say home. that, and and and, and yeah, go somewhere else. I go to go to the bar and grab a beer because clearly you need it if you're making that kind of take. I, I, I this happens every week. We get angry on Sunday, and then we you know we come to our you know senses on Wednesday. But even on Sunday, I, I said this, and you said this, like. They lost 38 to 3, ugly fashion. Games get away from you. They're not as bad as what they showed last Sunday against the Buccaneers. People don't like they beat these teams earlier in the season. They have beaten the number one and number two seeds in the AFC. That's so, so insane. That makes it's me so, so insane. mad. It makes don't, me so mad. And, and like, don't like that's not going to be like I, I, there is zero percent chance both those teams are number one and two at the end of the Fair. year. But yeah. we have to evaluate as it is week eight, and that's that's the facts. And you can't deny it. Bengals and Raiders one and two. But it just goes to the fact they can beat these teams. Yeah. They can beat San Francisco. They should beat San That's why we use that language because they should, because they are capable of doing it. So I this going this week, like this is going to be an ugly fucking football game. It is going to be ugly, Jake. I, that's I mean, a, I, make your I, I think you, game. yeah, make your eyes bleed game. And at first when you said that, I kind of reacted. I was like, well, maybe not, not necessarily. And I was like, you know what? It is. It, the like, more you it, think it, about it. It, 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 like this has every. Uh, this is going to be so seventeen thirteen. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even funny. It's going to be so Bears win seventeen thirteen. Uh, oh ugly God. football game. We come away with uh, away from it thinking like <laughs> having no idea what to think. Like does that not? This game screams. What's the weather for? It's probably going to be like forty degrees and cloudy. Like it's seventeen uh, thirteen. Lock. No, I don't even know if actually Sunday I partially cloudy it. high of fifty five. That's not high of fifty. That's such a fall Chicago Bear football game. Any rain in the forecast? I don't think so. Not if there was I'm rain. Saying. I would say we're looking at a two to zero game. Maybe one safety no, gets it, in there. It's supposed to rain yeah, tomorrow or Friday, and then it's over. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, you're right. Um, no, you're right. This game is just going to be so <laughs> ugly. Like. <laughs> Here's, like the Justin Fields breakout has to happen at some point, right? Like, does it? it, it, it you're has playing to happen roulette eventually. with the schedule, though. You're playing roulette with the schedule. It's one game, but you don't know what it's going to be. Like, I right. do have this sense that it could happen against it. Because Jake, like, the problem. Uh, the reason I say that real quick, I know I'm 
you know, kind of ranting here. The Buccaneers last week were the 28th worst ranked pass defense. And then this week you pay the, you play the fifth, the fifth uh, best pass defense. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not going right. to sit here and well, tell you that. J- Jared Payton did tell you that Jared Payton did try to tell you at some point you have to throw out, throw those stats out the window. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's exactly. You have to throw them out with this offense. You're playing roulette. It could happen against a good team. It could happen against a bad team. So that's why I'm not putting too much into the stats there. Speak your piece now. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's going to be an ugly game. You're probably right. It's going to be a very low-scoring, disgusting game that is just going to – watch this be like a two-hour and 25-minute game just because both teams are just going to be running the ball. Like it's just going to be like 60 carries between the two teams. Like, I mean, it's going to be an ugly game. You should, you should win this. I don't know. I've just because I have no idea because I don't, we don't know, which is silly to say because we're about to be eight weeks into the season, almost halfway through. And we're not, we still don't know like how this team responds to Real adversity, honestly. I mean, like week one, I guess you could call adversity, yeah. But like, you lost a couple nah. of people. You were doing Andy Dalton starting still, you so you're it's gonna like lose that game. Yeah, I mean, this is your first shot, I guess, to have a bounce back week. Really, I mean, because we can't see the 49ers yeah. better than the Bengals because you know for obvious reasons. So it's like, how do you, it's weird to put this game in a scope of the rest of the season? Getting boring back definitely helps. If Quinn plays and Hicks plays, you can definitely survive. I mean, because it's Garoppolo. I think I would feel worse about this game if Lance was starting, probably. But Lance is also prone to mistakes. So I don't know. Like, it's a hard balancing act to kind of handicap this game because we really don't know. Like, there's so much that's up in the air with both of these teams. I love how the end end of episodes always ends lately with you lean back, just holding the microphone. I kind of love it, though. I like it. It's a good move. killing me. I I don't hate it. Um, Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you're not going to have Mac. I'm going to assume for right now you don't have Quinn. You don't have Nagy. That's a plus. I'm going to assume you have Hicks. He practiced today. I'm going to assume you have a key mix. Okay. Uh, make your prediction Bear, now. I mean, I feel like you want to saying, do it. Bears win 24 to 10. No. 24 13. to 10. You're right. I think 13 24 was to right 13. Now. 24 to 13. 24 to 13. Oh. One of the teams is scoring thirteen points. Like it's it's I like if, if I don't if one of the team is scoring thirteen points, it's gonna be one of them. This I mean, it like be like a thirteen to nine game. Honestly, yeah. Like I, but see, it's so, so funny. Gross. It's so funny, Jake, because we're gonna say this, and the score is gonna be thirty-five to thirty-one. Right, like it's yeah. so we're, like we're gonna get a because again, runner. that's just that's just like again, like this is strange thing about these teams, like. These right. teams both had the offenses to do it. Personnel-wise, they both had the chance to do it. And, you know, shit, like we said, you're playing roulette. Maybe maybe this is – I mean, Justin Fields said it himself on the mic. He said, the breakout game is coming. I think it was Justin that said that. Maybe it was Nagy. It was somebody that said, the breakout game is coming. Like, it is going to arrive. And, and like, for him, the breakout game has been lowered to where that is 250 yards and two touchdowns. That's the breakout game. I mean, no, it is because you look at yeah. what he's put together, like – the breakout game is no longer 300 yards, three touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. It's it. The expectations have been tempered. It's okay, above average now. As as Adam Amin said, above average is now the breakout game. So if you see 250, two touchdowns, maybe a rushing touchdown in there, that's like shit. Okay, he's arrived. Maybe we figured something out. And that's what I think. I'm not expecting on it. I'm not banking on it. I'm not going to put my money on it. Is it possible? Could this be the week that it happens? Sure, it could because it didn't happen last week. Didn't happen against an injured Green Bay Packers team. Maybe it happens this week. You're playing roulette. Honestly, all I need from Justin Fields this week, because honestly, if the offense is all, if Khalil Herbert has 150 yards and three touchdowns, that's fine with me. All I need from Justin Fields. Given what happened against in Tampa Bay, I just need to see Keep that Justin ball. Fields still has that swagger, still has that confidence. Just show Ooh. me that like that game didn't rattle you. Like that's my Ooh. main concern. And, and if you turn on ESPN, you turn on FS1, that's all they've been talking about when they talk about the Bears. Did Justin Fields get rattled against Tampa Bay? Show and I'm not expecting him to be rattled. I don't think he was rattled given his college history, given just how he carries himself. I don't think that's the case, but I I, I'll feel better when I see it still. Like I'll feel better when he's not like 
you know, hearing hearing footsteps behind him and he's getting rid of the ball too fast or he's, you know, skittish or to use an old Mitch Trubisky term has the happy feet. Like just show me, you can still be that calm, cool guy that, you know, we think is going to be here for the next 10 years, you know? And here's why it's different. And I've, you just alluded to it. I've alluded to it. I mean, the dude was a freaking cold blooded killer in college and, and part of, and like he would very rarely lose games, but, after he, he would said lose it. games, he, he quoted it. He said, I'm not used to this. I'm not that's used to the losing. point. And this is where it's different. He lost, I don't know, twice in college, maybe three yeah, times like if you include the four. playoff. Yeah. This he's now lost three games in a span of starting six times or, or playing on the field five, I think five times now, right. starting five times. Like this is different. And that's why this is so important. That's why Jake brings this up is this is like college and the NFL are extremely different in a lot of ways, but the biggest way arguably Adam, Adam is how, talked about some of them. Adam talked about some of them. How he reacts is is going to be very important because I know there was some, you know, he was kind of and look, what do you want the kid to do? All right, he's sitting back on the bench with his eye black, looking, you know, kind of angry and, and rightfully so. Like he's pissed off. He wasn't. He hasn't played his best. But if you see that body language carry over, and this is one of those things where. You, as a person, no matter what your level of football knowledge is, I don't care if you know every single formation and every single personnel package, and you can tell me what this guy's doing at this given time. Those guys are extre- extremely intelligent. If you're the average fan who's, you know, the what's the the phrase, the armchair quarterback, if you're or the armchair coach, if you're the armchair coach and you're sitting there with a bag of Fritos and, and a beer, you can see somebody's body language and tell if they are you know have either bounced back or not you don't have to know anything about football you just know the way people react and it's going to be evident to everybody and every and that kind and the people who are watching but the players on the field and that's why i think it's really important that he comes back runs out of that tunnel with a whole lot of swagger he's got the city behind him you're back at soldier field in Chicago, a hard place to play. You've got the city who is still supporting you. This isn't a situation where it was last year where half of the stadium was against you when it, and half of the stadium wasn't. That's what it was with Mitch Trubisky. You have confidence of 60,000 people in the stadium. The way he carries himself, especially early in the game, is going to be very, very telling at how he reacts. And I am, quite frankly, uh, of what we know of him, I have full confidence he's going to walk out of that. It's like uh, that meme that gif of the undertaker coming out of the casket. You know what I mean? That's what I feel like we're going to get. You win the toss. You have, you have to get the ball first, right? Like you win the toss. You have to take the ball first and go on offense first. Right. And make a statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did that last week at home. It differs. Yeah. I think at home, at home, you you need a bounce back performance from last week. And shit, they did it against. Uh, uh, who did they do it against? They did it against green Bay. Right. Did, did, um, did they? No, no. I don't think they started with that that the ball that came, but I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, yeah. So I, I don't know. know. Chad but, the bird is, but all right. Chad's on. I think he's the guy that follows our show. So all right. Well, we'll get out of here. <laughs> all right, Kevin. I already made a prediction. Uh, you're up now. So your prediction. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I. I'm. Look. I. I know it sounds outrageous. I'm going Bears seventeen thirteen. I mean, what the hell are we talking about here? Uh, we've our predictions have been pretty good this year. We're both five and two. Our score predictions have been. We've been pretty close. My, we've been pretty. Oh, yours have been pretty close. Mine have Thank been somewhat close, but I don't think they've been as close as yours. But we're both five and two. So trust us. You got to trust us. But this is why we keep bringing guests next week. We got another good one. Can't reveal it yet, but the 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 run of guests is incredible. We shout out our guy Ernie Scadden for that. The guy who creates the intros, um, he's the man. Does Love all you, of it. Ernie. So, Ernie, the guy. But hey, man, hopefully the Bears pull it off, and then four and four, and sh- hey, we're gonna get reeled back in. We're gonna get reeled. Back in the <laughs> it's already we, happening. It's, it's it's already happening. So let's go. <laughs> Oh, God, it's already happening. All right. Well, we're both going Bears win in a very, very ugly game. And then, you know, we see what happens against the Steelers on Monday night after that. Then you have an extended break. So, well, I mean, a little bit of extended. It's Monday, but whatever. Anyway, that's us. Shout out to Adam Amin again for coming on. We appreciate it. I'm going to try what Kevin does right now. I'm going to see how I feel about this. So, no, I don't like it. Oh, that's kind of nice. Your audio sounded pretty good. Did it really? Hmm. Yeah, it sounds really nice. I don't know. I like seeing myself. I don't know what this is about. But anyway, shout out to Adam. Great to have him on. He was awesome. 
a lot of fun. Adam, we're serious. Text us what you're thinking during the game. You know, we swear we won't attribute it to you, but we'll just, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, for myself, for Kevin, this has been Bears Nation Podcast. We will see you nerds on Monday or Sunday. Don't know. We'll play it by ear. But we'll see you later this week. And as always, bear down. Yeah.